Hello, welcome to Wild in Theology. My name is Will and this is my co-host, Kaylee. Hello. Uh, today we are going to talk about the NoFap community and porn addiction. Mm-hmm. Firstly, I will say that I do consider myself to be sex positive. What I have to say about this topic doesn't come from a religiously motivated place. It doesn't come from a place of thinking sex or even erotic art is shameful or evil in any way. I don't want to shame anyone for watching porn, for whatever kinks they have, or for anything else. When it comes to addiction, shame is a huge part of perpetuating it, and so I do not advocate shaming anyone at all. Mm-hmm. A certain level of shame is healthy, but that's for someone to work through themselves and shouldn't be uh, projected onto anyone. Mm-hmm. By the end of the podcast, I hope to show you why I shouldn't need to issue this I assure you I'm sex positive caveat, but also why I feel I need to. And uh, the shame caveat, though, is very important, which is why I'm mentioning it again. So getting into it, Kaylee, what comes up for you when you think about nofap or porn addiction? What comes up for me? Um, yeah, I'm putting you on the spot. Okay. Anything, whatever. Like if I say like nofap, what emotions come up? What thoughts come up? Um, well, I mean, when you refer to it as a community, (laughs) I kind of think of like (laughs) men trying to get a hold on their sexuality. I don't know. Like, it doesn't need to be like content, like what, what it is just like, what does it make you feel? What does it make me feel? Yeah. I think it's serious. I think porn addiction is serious. And I think, I think that's like an important conversation to have. And what do people do to porn? They Fap. I yeah, hate the yeah, word yeah. fap, first of all. That's what comes up. I <laughs> okay. hate the word fap. I think Why? it sounds it just sounds weird and yeah. gross and stupid. I, I always feel like if you're fapping and like it's like it's an onomatopoeia. And so yeah, it's like you're yeah, going yeah. aggressively enough for it to be like a f- consistent fapping noise. <laughs> I feel like you're going really hard. Like. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. But I, I think it's interesting. I think it's a taboo topic yeah. that people need to have because masturbation is something that people do Mm -hmm. but it's something people do behind closed doors and it's not really something that a lot of people talk about especially in terms of watching porn i feel like it's kind of a a shameful topic that people don't really like to talk about so yeah that that makes it more important because it's something like addiction can really affect your life Mm -hmm. and your sexual experience so yeah yeah okay i'm actually glad you said that because Mm -hmm. i feel like I was almost expecting you to, to say, oh, it's it's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Or it's a little bit ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Because whenever I see it on the internet or hear people talking about it otherwise, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where like, oh, porn addiction? Come on. You can't mm-hmm. be addicted to porn. Porn is healthy, right? Oh, God, Masturbation no. is healthy, I feel right? like that's not what I hear from people at all. Oh, really? I yeah? feel like pretty by like far and wide, yeah. like most people that I talk to are like wary of it at the very mm-hmm. least i mean i guess i talk to like girls yeah and the male friends i do have are like you <laughs> and so yeah it's a little bit of a bias you know, sample. yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah. exactly but like i mean the whole nofap community it is kind of like yeah it seems extreme almost that For there's sure. a community around this but hey you need support yeah that's really it and yeah. like yeah my experience is is a complete opposite yeah. like when it comes to like, again, friends is, is a different story, but also just, I see a lot among men 
there's like this immediate dismissal of the idea of porn addiction, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of people like within like the, the literature, like the scientific literature, there is actually contention whether you can call porn addiction a real addiction. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe this has changed since I did really in-depth research into it, but that really seems to be the, the narrative around it, mm-hmm. right? And so I guess like the, the way that I wanted to open this up is to, to really say that whether it's a real addiction or not really misses the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm reading this book called uh, The Realm of Hungry Ghosts by Gabor Mate, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Definitely check it out if oh you haven't. Oh my God, Daniela is reading that. Oh, really? Yeah. No way. It's amazing. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he is, is I guess, famous for saying... I like, love I've, Gabor Mate. Yeah. He's yeah. great. He, uh, he's kind of famous for saying, like, it's not why the addiction, it's why the pain. Mm-hmm. Right? And, like, we can get into definitions about, like, what addiction is. Like, addiction, that you know, like, reading up on it, addiction is, like the most extreme form of, of substance use disorder, right? People call it like the brain disease model of addiction. Then there's other kind of models that incorporate more of like a, a uh, subjective element to it where it's not simply reduced to the level of the brain. Mm-hmm. But I think that phrase, it's not why the addiction, it's why the pain really just throws that discussion out the window. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you are addicted to or what you claim to be addicted to or whether we can claim it is addiction. Mm-hmm. The fact of the matter is that there is a community of like at least 200,000 people just on Reddit of men who are experiencing sexual dysfunction, emotional suffering, and a lot of difficulty quitting porn, mm-hmm. right? And one example of this is the fact that like there was this... One story I can talk about is this boy, is this man who said that when he was a boy, his uh, stepmother would make him every Saturday and Sunday, I believe, sit on a stool for like eight hours. She, he would have to sit there and behave and like he wasn't given anything to read, anything to watch, just sit on that stool while, while his step-siblings were allowed to like play around, mm-hmm. play outside, do whatever they did, at, you know, whatever decade that happened in. Mm-hmm. And this person had a porn addiction. Right. And the fact of the matter is, is that whether or not it's an addiction, this person is clearly in a lot of pain and ridiculing the nofap community or ridiculing the idea of porn addiction is the complete antithesis to any other way that we approach any other sort of addiction. Right. Or at least how we should approach any other addiction. Mm -hmm. Right. And the ridicule that I've seen about the nofap community, I think, is based around the idea of this idea of like superpowers, Mm -hmm. right? Where it's like, if you stop using porn, you get superpowers, Mm -hmm. right? And it's like, what happens when you watch, you know, porn several times a day, ejaculating several times a day uh, during the week. And then on the weekend, you spend like several hours Mm -hmm. doing it. And then you stop doing that. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen to you? The way that you're going to feel after stopping do that and ceasing that you're going to feel like you're super powered, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of people talk about when they, when they start doing no fab, um, there's a cessation of the sexual dysfunctions they have, which we'll get into. And there is an improvement in social anxiety, OCD like symptoms and other mental health issues, mm-hmm. right? So you have a community of people who have said, I've stopped using porn. I've stopped masturbating. And suddenly I feel like a fucking human being again again, to such a huge extent that I can only describe it as a superpower, Mm -hmm. right? And 
the entire point of what I've just said there is to simply say, if you're one of these people who look at the NoFap community and wonder what the fuck are they doing there? Like, are they wasting their time? I mean, I think I've, I've illustrated the fact that no, they're not just wasting their time. There's clearly something going on here. Yes. Hmm. That's interesting. And like, so there are people who are kind of self-identified porn addicts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will grant a lot of it is self-diagnosed. Yeah. And so it's not just about not watching porn. It's also about not masturbating at all. For some people, some like there's uh there's the nofap subreddit and mm-hmm. then there's like the porn free subreddit mm-hmm. and there's these two like the great schism of nofap right mm-hmm. where some people said like they are perfectly fine fapping they don't have an issue with <laughs> masturbating sorry I, you hate that word <laughs> they don't have an issue with masturbating it's yeah. it's the porn right whereas yeah. other people say like if I masturbate it, it's just gonna end up with porn kind of like how alcoholics can't even have one drink exactly mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's like, they talk about it feeling like a superpower. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, that just speaks to how powerful sexual energy is and how yeah. much you're draining yourself if you're constantly like scratching that itch, so to speak, you mm-hmm. know, like anytime, if it, if it becomes this habitual thing where you have to have an orgasm yeah. like every day, maybe multiple times a day by mm-hmm. your own hand, that's a lot of like energy you're releasing well when you have an orgasm do you feel exhausted afterward depends it depends Depends. well yeah i guess like you know (laughs) well i guess like on your own Mm, it depends it depends (laughs) i don't know well i guess in in my experience Uh if i have an orgasm as a man and Uh most men talk about this it's kind Mm -hmm. of like a funny little cliche that you just like fuck your your wife or your partner or whatever and then you just roll over and fall asleep right yeah it's because you always feel exhausted Mm-hmm. And so if you're jerking off multiple times a day, every single day, mm-hmm. you're going to be in like a perpetual state of exhaustion mm-hmm. of just like, oh, I just want to roll over and sleep. I don't yeah. want to go to work. I just want to roll over to sleep. I don't want to talk to this person. I just want to roll over and sleep. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. But in, if you take that energy and channel it into other things, for sure, it would feel like a superpower for sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and in my own experience doing NoFap, like if I've gone for a couple weeks I really start to feel like things are almost brighter. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I've literally like, and, and again, hindsight, like how can I really say, oh, this seems brighter than it did 10 days ago. Like, am yeah. I measuring that? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, things seem brighter. I've had experiences where I'll, I'll listen to a song and I actually like start tearing up. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think it was like a Coldplay song, like the scientist mm. or something. I started like tearing <laughs> up and I'm just like, oh my God, like I feel this song more than I ever felt. Uh-huh. And again, who knows what the what all the factors influencing that are, but it was after a several week nofap uh, experience or streak experience. I don't know. <laughs> it's like a psychedelic experience, right? <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, and so it's just like it, clearly there's something going on here. Hmm. Yeah. That's actually interesting that you say that because, like, even when you think about like altered states of consciousness, I'm sure we'll get into this maybe later if you plan on tying it back to psychedelics. Hmm. But just because it's coming up for me right now thinking about like how I can't say an, a specific culture or subgroup of people who would practice yeah. this, but I've heard of it being used as a way of accessing altered states of consciousness. Just like some people do fasting mm. for very long periods of time or like, um, sexual repression. Abstinence. Yeah. Like abstinence, yeah, yeah. like for long periods of time is like a way of cleansing the body or accessing mm. Alter states and think about religion, how many like priests and stuff 
can't uh, like take a vow of celibacy. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it is seen as one of those things that mm-hmm. to refrain from you access something beyond your yeah. base desires. Yeah. I, I can't speak a lot to that because uh, b- besides what I've already said, but I, I feel like a big one of that is because sexuality is something so inherent to being an animal mm-hmm. is that the ability to choose not to have sex and then follow through with that. Mm-hmm is a very uniquely human experience because mm-hmm. not only are humans very unique, like not the only one, but very, very rare animals that have sex or pleasure, but we're also probably one of the only animals who can have sex with sex for pleasure, who can choose not to have sex with pleasure. Mm-hmm. And what's going on in terms of like the mental landscape when you make that choice and deal with like the fallout of like abstaining from having sex or choosing not to engage in sexual thoughts mm-hmm. right like many many people in the in the nofap movement i guess uh will even cut off any sexual thoughts as soon as they notice them having it and completely remove and it's like there's number one there's like the the mental discipline or mental focus you have from simply cutting off any like a certain a certain section of thought or mm-hmm. certain category of thought but again it's around something like sexuality that's so intrinsic to being alive mm-hmm. you know uh it's a very it's a very interesting experience mm-hmm. you know there's i think there's a lot that is embedded in that you know yeah that's really interesting yeah that's like our unique ability as humans to like have those kind of executive functions to decide not to do things yeah even when they're are so instinctual exactly furthering your species Mm -hmm. spreading your seed (laughs) (laughs) yeah for sure (laughs) i mean like the buddha uh sat under a tree and was like emaciated i'm not eating i'm I'm, I'm assuming not jerking off i i could be wrong but i'm not gonna make that assumption Mm -hmm. but uh and then like we we remember his name for the next two thousand years because Mm -hmm. or two thousand five hundred years because of a a experience he had from what he learned from doing that. Mm -hmm. Right. So it is, it is clearly a sort of access or possible access to some sort of really profound experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But when we, when we talk about some of the things around the reason people do, uh, no fap, right? Like, okay, there's addiction. There's like dealing with emotions in, in healthier ways, but a big one is like the sexual dysfunction that people have, mm-hmm. right? And and it's called uh, PIED, which is hilarious. I love, like, Pied. NoFap is, again, one of those communities that by nature of being its own insular thing, have these hilarious acronyms like PIED. What does it mean? Porn-induced erectile dysfunction. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And uh, basically, there is, again, with that I've read of people being very skeptical that this is actually porn-induced. Which, I mean, is is a valid skepticism, of course. What would they argue is the cause of it? Overuse. Overuse yeah. of? Jerking off too much. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or uh, uh, performance anxiety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because the issue is that people who have pied or porn-induced rectal dysfunction, I hate the word pied. I don't know. I was just thinking <laughs> people smoking weed, but um, is that they're able to get hard with porn, but not with a woman. Yes. I find that fascinating because like this is obviously one example of something that's probably like our lives are ridden with that exact thing, but Mm. in different ways that we might not identify as being a problem. Yeah. Like, I mean, every time you do something, 
every time your, your, your brain like makes an association, like I get this stimulus and then I have this physical response and then this happens, you know, mm -hmm. like, and you do that repeatedly, your, your brain learns that. So it's being like encoded on a neurological level yeah. every time you do this thing. For sure. And yeah, it's, it's a problem because now you're trying to do it with a physical human being and you can't because you've trained your brain so many times. Your brain, your mind-body connection is yeah. only associated with that stimulus, which is a screen of other people having sex. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I actually just read this thing on, on Reddit. It was like a little post. It had nothing to do with preparing for this podcast. It was actually just happy coincidence right it yeah. was like the article was like what do men do that make it obvious they watch too much porn uh -huh. this one guy couldn't ejaculate from a, a blowjob uh -huh. and so what he did is he filmed her sucking his dick and then watched the video of the blowjob that he was literally receiving and that's what made him come while he was getting his wow. dick sucked that's fucking crazy see exactly yeah. that's exactly the thing so your brain is you're trained to be watching a screen and that makes you come yeah but and like it's the same thing like a lot of things that i've looked into with like women mm -hmm. teaching themselves how to orgasm in different ways it's because like it might not be to porn necessarily watching a screen, but if you've masturbated for years and you find yourself in the same position, same rhythm, yeah. like your brain is trained to only come to that same stimulus. Mm -hmm. So you have to like, it takes a lot of work to get out of it, but you could call that an addiction. For sure. Just like, mm -hmm. I don't know if I'll keep this in here, but <laughs> camping this weekend, every time I go camping, Hashmeet and I have the same problem where we can't yeah. shit because... <laughs> We always get constipated because we're like out in the woods and you're just, your brain, you're, For just sure, like, yeah. you're used to being in a bathroom. Yeah. And as soon as you're not in a bathroom, your mind body connection is like, no, mm -hmm. like it can't happen because the cues aren't there. Like we're so addicted to our environments and like mm -hmm. we don't even realize how much of our behavior just occurs subconsciously because yeah, you're yeah. just like trained, your, your brain just does it automatically. Yeah. Like exactly. environmental cues, it turns on the right system and it just all happens. Like it, that's, that's what's happening for people. And, and we call that a porn addiction because yeah. it's like it, it's having this negative effect on their sexual mm -hmm. life where they now have sexual dysfunction in a real human to human interaction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and that's a big thing is that like we can talk about that, but people are still like, oh, well, what if it's just performance anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like, and it could be, of course, mm -hmm. like I've definitely dealt with performance anxiety before, but even men with a long-term partner can begin experiencing uh, the erectile issues. Like their dick can't get hard mm -hmm. with someone that they've been sleeping with, with years that they're super comfortable with, that they've never had an issue with. And then like, for whatever reason, they, they start watching porn a little bit too much. And then suddenly they start, can't get hard with her. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's not. Or him. Or him, yeah, of course. And, and it's not necessarily associated with age, right? Because you could say, oh, well, they've been together for three decades. He's just getting old, right? It's not necessarily. It's young yeah. couples who are experiencing this. Yeah, totally. Right? Where it's like a young men shouldn't have erectile issues. It's okay if you do. Like, of course, there's no shame in that. Yeah. But there's something going on here, clearly. Yeah. And what, what's even more profound is the fact that when they stop watching porn, their erections turn to normal, mm -hmm. right? But then again, like if they're on NoFap and they're not masturbating, well, what if it's overuse, mm -hmm. right? Again, they can get hard just fine while watching porn. It's when there isn't porn there. And mm -hmm. it's like you can even have men who 
they'll start having these erectile issues. And if they're having difficulty stopping watching porn, they'll continue watching it. And like over however long it happens, they can actually stop getting hard with porn too. Mm -hmm. Right. And so there could be an element of overuse there, of course, Mm -hmm. but there clearly seems to be some association with the actual use of porn itself, especially in the fact that some men can start getting erections again when they discover a new extreme genre of porn mm-hmm. something that like kicks in overdrive that dopaminergic response or all that mm-hmm. those complex neurotransmitter cocktails that are being uh that are associated with getting an erection mm-hmm. right but it's like that new extreme genre that really triggers something that novelty and suddenly they can get an erection again so mm-hmm. clearly porn is associated yeah yeah i think that's undeniable mm-hmm. i mean it's something I'm interested in. I haven't done a ton of research, but I, I find it it's obvious. Yeah. It's like quite obvious. It's yeah. such an, a crazy stimulus too. Like the, the variety and just like the saliency, like it's like fully naked people. Like, I don't know. It's just like, it's visual. You can hear it. It's so accessible. It's easy. You can scroll. You don't even have to watch anything else. You can just go straight to the fucking, yeah. you know, Which a is, lot of it just starts straight into it. Cause they're like, ah, oh, people just skip it anyway. Yeah, exactly. You know? And that's extreme dopamine response. Yeah. Well, there's this one story that is very common within the, the nofap literature mm-hmm. where, uh, there's like this, uh, beetle in Australia it's like a, a brown beetle mm-hmm. and they had to remove brown beer bottles from Australia. I believe it's Australia from Australia because this beetle responded to a big brown ass of another beetle, right? That's how they found their mates. And so when they saw the beer bottle, it was basically what's called a super stimulus mm-hmm. where they reacted so much more to these brown beer bottles that they never tried to fuck the other beetles. They just immediately went to the beer bottle. Holy shit. I mean, talk about a super stimulus. Like yeah, you said, it's yeah. like, that's really what porn is, right? You have women who are not only just very attractive, but are enhanced with, with, breast implants with uh makeup with the perfect lighting you have guys who have massive dicks right and it's like you have all these and they're doing crazy stuff that like Mm -hmm. a lot of people have difficulty talking their partner into trying right Mm -hmm. and so it's like clearly this is a super stimulus Mm -hmm. you know and a lot of it yeah it's like very taboo fantasies that Mm -hmm. not even the people wouldn't necessarily have to convince their partner to try doing but that Mm. they wouldn't even want to necessarily do you know it's like it's touching something so deep in their consciousness that they probably feel a lot of shame about and like Mm. it's like i don't know and i think that really touches into the next thing that i want to talk about Mm. is this idea that like they can find a new extreme genre Mm -hmm. that suddenly gets them going again Mm -hmm. gets them hard again right Mm -hmm. and it's like one uh, another big cliche within addiction is wanting without necessarily liking mm-hmm. with a lot of these extreme genres and again not kink shaming anybody it's ex- extreme is relative of course i definitely mm-hmm. have my own kinks is the fact that they only start liking these genres when they've exhausted what they liked previously mm-hmm. right and again like uh, like i said i have my own kinks and so it's like i've discovered some of them through porn and i've stopped using porn and some of them stay. Mm -hmm. And so you have this very difficult situation where some are authentic, whatever that means, and others could be porn induced. Mm -hmm. And again, this comes back to the erectile issue is that 
once they stop watching the porn, their fetishes disappear, right? And so there's this idea of like the arousal shame association where people who have sex addiction, and uh, there's this book called um, uh, Sex Addiction is Affect Dysregulation by Alexandra Katahakis, which I would love to have on the podcast. Mm -hmm. She talks about how the more shameful a certain act is, the more arousing it becomes because they've made this association, Mm -hmm. right? And so we're talking about like these extreme genres where men will find things that make them feel very ashamed of themselves for having watched, which makes them even more aroused. And so you have more shame, which is one of the the main emotions in driving addiction in the first place. That's really what happens. That's why it drives the addiction is because like, they've associated arousal with shame. And so they feel ashamed. So they go to their addiction, but they feel ashamed. So they're aroused, which makes them go to their addiction. And so it becomes this like self-reinforcing cycle of shame and arousal mm-hmm. where the more shame they feel, the more aroused they feel, the more mm-hmm. shame they feel. Oh, and then those two, those two feelings, like mm-hmm. not just emotions, like the bodily experience, those are being associated now. They feel shame and pleasure together that's like a paired experience yeah that's crazy yeah exactly and so like you you talk about like people who they they find that their social anxiety is cured once they stop using porn well when they when they feel social anxiety or they feel um like they've embarrassed themselves socially Mm -hmm. that would feed into the addiction more because now suddenly they're aroused Mm -hmm. right which would make them feel uncomfortable in whatever social situation they're in Mm -hmm. which makes them feel more ashamed which makes them feel more aroused and makes them feel more uncomfortable right and so it's like Ah. when you talk about someone who says oh my social anxiety was cured when i stopped watching porn it's because no fucking wonder they interrupted that cycle long enough for these associations to not be made so that they could just be in a social situation without having this like weird co- weird cocktail of addicted uh of addictive chemicals going on in their brain yeah. right it's crazy to me that we can be addicted to things that don't even feel good yeah because it just happens so many times and our body even if it feels awful we're just like mm you so used to having that response it just happens automatically and it's so hard to break that it it, like it's kind of funny because we had that we were having a conversation just before this before we started this podcast and one of the things that we were saying was things can be very simple but so difficult yeah and that's just it like you just said oh they just stopped they they stopped pairing those things long enough that their body stopped doing it automatically yeah that's it. That's all curing addiction is. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> it's yeah. the most difficult thing. Yeah. Just don't do it. Just don't do it it's long simple. enough and then you'll yeah. get over it. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, because there's so much embedded within that. Like mm-hmm. this, this podcast isn't necessarily about like how to get over addiction. Yeah. It's more talking about this community and, and porn addiction in general, yeah, but, yeah. or specifically rather, but th- it, there's so much trauma that is, motivating the addiction mm-hmm. that dealing with that trauma is the complex thing yeah uh, curing addiction yeah i just stopped the thing but it's curing the trauma because it's yeah. not why the addiction it's why the pain exactly you know yeah where is it coming from because i mean it's obvious why people like like porn mm-hmm. because we all like sex yeah that's obvious like there's no like trauma that you have to go through to like to be stimulated by watching people have sex yeah yeah you know 
But like it's different because if you're saying like not why the addiction, why the pain, mm-hmm. where where do you have to be coming from to be like needing or seeking of that pleasure or that stimulus? Like mm-hmm. is that what you're saying? Is there's is there like something fundamentally like hurt in people who are addicted to porn? I think that's a, a really interesting question because again, a- Alexandra Katahakis talks about this as well, where pornography is in this very unique position where there doesn't necessarily need to be any trauma to begin becoming addicted, mm-hmm. right? Because what happens with porn is that it is extremely easy to get all you need. Well, if you have an internet connection, of course, mm-hmm. um, but that's all you need. Mm-hmm. And you can watch it whenever you want with no consequences. If you do drugs, if you gamble, if you eat too much, these are all things that have relatively immediate consequences Mm -hmm. where you can watch a porn video every single day for the rest of your life and nothing really bad necessarily is going to happen, right? I'm sure there are a lot of people who watch porn daily and they don't have erectile issues. They don't have any sort of issues at all, Mm -hmm. right? But the issue is that it is just that is that because it's so easy to access and so easy on the human in general, is that if you start using it and you say, have a really bad day, so you watch some porn, Mm -hmm. right? Well, now you've started creating associations where if you're feeling really shitty, you'll start using porn, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's actually during the use of pornography where where it becomes a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. And so by nature of it becoming a coping mechanism is that you start using it more and more because you start using it anytime you need to feel a little bit better, mm-hmm. right? And over time, because of how much you're using it, there's what's called a dopamine receptor downregulation, mm-hmm. where you get less dopamine receptors by nature of there being a lot. It's just, it's kind of like a habituation, let's say. Yes. And this is where this like desire for more extreme genres comes in because you need a bigger hit of dopamine to get the same response mm-hmm. that you got with the with the old stuff, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, what happens is that when you need to find more extreme extreme genres just to get off, just by nature of using it a lot, you'll if you stumble upon a very extreme genre or even a genre just that makes you feel a little bit ashamed, well, now you've created a system where you're into this new thing that you feel a little bit ashamed about watching. And so that's where the shame arousal association begins being made. Mm-hmm. And so, again, the deeper you go into it, the more trauma is created through the use of the, of the substance, in this case, pornography. Right. And so it's like, let's say you um, let's say that you're you're watching pornography. Right. And you come across this video where a the man is very aggressive with a woman like he chokes her or slaps her mm-hmm. right many men who are just getting into pornography or have not really had that kind of experience this is less common now because of 50 shades of gray but there are a lot of men who feel ashamed for wanting to be aggressive physically aggressive with women during sex right and so they might feel a little bit ashamed by that mm-hmm. right and so now this like shame but they want to watch it more because that's what they'd like get into and i've experienced this myself where I will watch something, it'll make me feel ashamed after jerking off to it, but then I want to go and watch it again when I'm aroused again. And this is kind of like a cliche, like I'm only into this when I'm horny, but as soon as I jerk off, I'm like, <laughs> why the fuck did I watch that? That's exactly That's that. That's so funny. I... That is exactly that. And it's like, 
Go ahead. I was just going to say, like, literally the other night while I was out with those girls on Wednesday, <laughs> like, they were all talking about that experience of, like, watching porn. And it's immediately after you come, you're just like, ah, get it off my screen. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. stop. You're so, like, you're cringing at yourself and you're deleting your history. And, like, if yeah. as soon as you're, you're done, mm-hmm. the stimulus is disturbing. Yeah. And it's like, that's... You know, a one-time thing isn't necessarily this huge traumatic event. Yeah. But number one, it's, it's the, you know, the, the death by a thousand cuts kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Where it's a little bit over a long period of time, but it's also in the fact that most people don't know how to deal with that shame Mm -hmm. or that trauma. And so like, it's not necessarily that the single dose of shame or trauma is, or a single dose of shame, let's say, is enough to cause a trauma. It's your inability to deal with the shame, mm-hmm. and it, it, that becomes a trauma. Mm-hmm. And so, over time, you develop this this dopamine desensitization, this shame arousal association, and this leads to greater and greater trauma. Mm-hmm. And then you also have the fact that most people do deal with traumas, big or small, throughout their lives, mm-hmm. right? That are that are fueling that they don't necessarily know how to deal with, yeah. right? And so you come to a place where you're watching these very extreme genres that you might not even like, that make you feel horribly ashamed of yourself. And this fuels the addiction further, mm-hmm. right? And one thing that people talk about is the development of what's called HOCD or homosexual obsessive compulsive disorder. Whoa, is this a real thing? This is a real thing. Holy shit. Yeah, I've experienced it myself. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And basically what this is, is obsessive thoughts that I've never actually told anybody that I've, well, I have, I've told two people before that have experienced this, so mm-hmm. I'm a little bit embarrassed, but, but basically what it is, is like obsessive thoughts about the fact that you're gay, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of, self-explanatory mm-hmm. right and so what happens is that when you see let's say like you see an like i'll talk about my own experience with it right this happened when i was in my first year of university where i was watching a lot of porn i i'd been in a breakup about like eight months prior to it, it was like my first ever breakup i was depressed by it and i turned to porn for coping right mm-hmm. this is an example of how it might turn into a coping mechanism right a breakup and what happened is that I, I, I noticed that when I was reading a textbook, for example, there would be a picture of a man in the textbook and I'd suddenly be like, oh, is he, like, oh he's an attractive man, right? Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, why did I think that? Does that mean I'm gay, right? What, what is that? Like that feeling within me, it's anxiety. But at the time I was just like, I'm feeling like this weird exhilaration feeling. Does this mean I'm gay, right? And it'd become this like obsessive cycle where every time I'd see a man, I'd be like, oh, is he attractive? Why am I thinking, is he attractive? Does that mean I'm gay? But I, I don't feel gay. I don't, I've always been attracted to women, right? And it becomes this almost like, it, it, it's, if it sounds insane, imagine experiencing that. It mm-hmm. was really like anxiety. And I started questioning my sanity at one point because it's like mm-hmm. I would be literally in a fetal position on my bed in anxiety and couldn't shake these like obsessive doubts about my sexuality, despite the feeling that I was straight, that fundamentally I was just attracted to women, mm-hmm. right? And you may also be hearing this and say, well, like this sounds like a textbook case of a homophobic society in which people are afraid of being gay because of the consequences of being gay. And these are people who are in denial, right? Mm-hmm. Like maybe you're just gay, mm-hmm. right? 
Or buy. Or buy. You know, it's a spectrum. It's not yeah, it's not yeah, like a, sure. a single like you put in a box and that's what yeah, you are. So yeah. it is a little bit iffy. The issue, however, is that number one, there are homosexuals who watch too much porn, who develop uh, I guess you would call it straight or heterosexual OCD. Mm-hmm. And that's because it's a subset of what's called sexual sexuality obsessive compulsive disorder, mm-hmm. where you have obsessive thoughts about your sexuality. But what I think is even more striking is that you'll have people who are openly bisexual, who if, let's say you're a woman dating a woman, you'll start having obsessive thoughts about only being attracted to men. Mm. Or if you're dating a man, you'll have obsessive thoughts about only being attracted to women because it's an anxiety disorder. It's fueled by anxiety, mm-hmm. right? And this also occurs with incestuous thoughts or thoughts about being a pedophile mm-hmm. where someone will be, you know, they're, they're not a pedophile. They're not attracted to children, but they will be convinced that they're, they'll have like obsessive thoughts about the possibility that they might be. Mm-hmm. Or this one person that I heard about on, uh, on, we were like an accountability partners on OFAP. He had a, obsessive thoughts about being attracted to his mother, mm-hmm. right? Where like he, he couldn't shake the fear that he might be attracted to her, right? And guess what kind of porn he watched? Incest porn, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like, you have these obsessive compulsive disorders that are emerging from the fact that they're watching certain types of porn, right? Mm -hmm. I wasn't watching gay porn, but I started watching porn with trans women, Mm -hmm. right? And today, this is one of the things that like kink that I've, I've kept after not watching porn is that I'm still attracted to trans women. Like if I find a trans woman attractive, it doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. Right. But at the time I knew nothing about trans people, basically. Like I think I was like 19 raised in rural Canada where I like, you never meet a trans person. Right. Yeah. And so I was like, Oh, it's a woman with a dick. That must mean I'm gay. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I have all of these and I already dealt with anxiety. Right. And so it was this perfect cocktail where like the pornography influenced these obsessive thoughts that by nature of them not being true, you deny which further fuels the anxiety that is fueling the obsessive thoughts, mm-hmm. right? And what I experienced is that I started meditating around this time too. And when I meditated and found some sort of peace of mind, I realized how ridiculous all of these obsessive thoughts was. Mm-hmm. I, like, I literally remember a time where I was just like lying on my back meditating and I just realized like, why does it matter? My, I know my friends, my family, no one would judge me if I was gay. Mm-hmm. No one would have any issue with, if me, if, with me if I came out of the closet, mm-hmm. right? And I realized that I was obsessing over all of this stuff when there was no need to be afraid of it. Mm-hmm. It, it was like, like it, it sounds so obvious, but like it, it blew my mind that I would ever be afraid of being gay because mm-hmm. I was in the perfect situation that I'm very privileged to be in because I know a lot of men who are gay aren't in that position, Mm -hmm. but there was no reason for me to be afraid. Mm -hmm. And so when it was, when I accepted the fact that if I was gay, I was going to be okay, that they suddenly disappeared. It happened over a course of weeks, but it eventually, you know, I'm at the point now where like, I don't think about that. I can look at a man and say like, Oh, he's an attractive man. Mm -hmm. And there's no obsessive thoughts. There's no like, would I fuck him? No, probably not. I'm just not attracted to men. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm attracted to women, but 
at the time, it again, like I said, I was literally in the fetal position on my bed, terrified by the possibility that I might be gay. Mm -hmm. And in the denial, the constant denial of these thoughts just fed them, mm -hmm. right? And so these are experiences that I would be very shocked if it wasn't a majority of porn addicts have experienced in their use of porn, mm -hmm. right? And this is a very, I think a very serious issue because again, in the fetal position, that's a lot of mental anguish for somebody to be experiencing it. And it seems to all come from pornography mm -hmm. because they never experienced it until one day they did. And it's either through meditation or through long-term cessation of pornography use mm -hmm. that these symptoms disappear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. I've never heard of that before. That's crazy, but mm -hmm. interesting. I mean, thank you for opening up and sharing all of that. Yeah. That's a, that's an intense experience that you had. It was honestly like, mm -hmm. I, it was one of those experiences where I look back and I, I'm a little bit embarrassed to talk about it. I'll be, mm -hmm. I'll be real, but I was in a lot of mental anguish at the time. Mm -hmm. Like it like I cannot convey to anyone I guess with you, like you've experienced anxiety before. It's like mm -hmm. when you're at your worst, it's probably very similar. It's just yeah. like, holy fuck, man. Like I couldn't walk down the hallway because I'd see men and it would trigger these thoughts. Wow. And I was so in my head and anxious and just like horrified by this thing that like, if you would have asked, like if you would have asked me at the time, like, oh, is there anything wrong with being gay? No. Are you okay with gay marriage? Of course. And yet I had these obsessive thoughts because yeah. it wasn't rational. It was completely fueled by anxiety. It's the thing. Anxiety is irrational. Yeah. It just like fixates on one, on a thing. Yeah. And your mind just like creates it. For sure. It's insane. It is. And that's a big one that like, and again, I, I kind of talk about like, I think I stressed a few times that it's like there, there's a difference between these thoughts and being actually gay. Yeah. Is because when you accept the possibility that you are gay and you have a HOCD or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever form this SOD takes for you, SOCD takes for you, they go away. Yeah. Whereas if you're gay and you accept the fact that you're gay, well, then you're just gay. Yeah. Right. And that's what I've <laughs> read about the experience. So that's what I've talked about with other people who've experienced this in like the NoFat forums, et cetera, is that this is a very real mental condition that people have even if they don't watch too much porn but people deny its existence because they're just like oh it's just uh homosexual denial mm -hmm. it's not mm -hmm. it's not it, it's very clearly based on my own experiences and yeah. based on the experiences of many people and that right? might happen for people who are gay too oh for sure yeah, yeah exactly but it would be different well that's what i said earlier yeah, where it's like right or you mean like people who are gay but are in denial about their homosexuality? Yeah. 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 I can't speak to that. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know. But I imagine it's very similar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, it, and this is, again, this is something that is, the point of this podcast is talking about the negative effects of using porn. I think this is honestly one of the bigger ones. Mm -hmm. One of the bigger ones. Wow. Yeah. That doesn't get talked about so much because I've heard a lot about erectile dysfunction or sexual dysfunction or just having trouble in that way because you're habituated to that stimulus but would you consider me to be a very authentic person like very honest yes and I, you've never heard of that from me right no so it's it's something that i think is extremely embarrassing and shameful for a lot of people to admit that they've experienced and so like if they can like i'm i'm more comfortable talking about the fact that i've experienced 
uh, erectile issues because of my porn use mm-hmm. than I am about talking about that. And erectile issues is a huge sensitive topic for men. For sure. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, like the anxiety it can cause you mm. around something even unrelated. I mean, not unrelated because it's sexual, but you said you were, weren't watching gay porn. So no, it's not mm-hmm. even directly tied to the stimulus yeah. necessarily. But then you'd also do have men who are heterosexual and start watching gay porn. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And yeah. like, again, sexuality is a very complex thing. So yeah. I'm sure there are some men who just identify as like, I think it's called like heterosexual or heteroromantic. And then mm-hmm. they would like watching gay porn and they're perfectly happy with that. Right. Mm-hmm. But there are some men who, again, after stopping watching porn, they suddenly don't want to watch gay porn. And they're, they're again, not trying to be homophobic, but they're disgusted by the prospect. Right. Mm-hmm. And you can get into like shame and all that kind of stuff. So that's a deeper topic. But point being is that there's a very complex issue going on here. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. 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 For sure. So that brings us to the second last topic that I wanted to talk about, which was that all throughout this conversation, we've talked about men. I started watching porn when I was, was 12. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I was not a man then. I was a young boy. Yeah. I think, you know, I read in uh, one of the books, I think it's, it was the no fat book that the, like the top 32, I, I, I should have looked it up for this podcast. I apologize, but I might post it in the description. So if you're listening to this, look in the description, it was like the third top 32 most viewed website in, in children, six to 12 Pornhub. You're having children as young as six years old being exposed to what you see on the Pornhub front page. Mm, it's so disturbing because it's so yeah. accessible and so many kids have smartphones now. And it's just For like, sure. Whereas like, that's, that wasn't the case. No. And that's the, like oh, a lot of people who are older question porn addiction because they're, they're associating porn with like, oh, you know, a fucking Hustler magazine or a Playboy magazine where you like had maybe a, a collection of five or something hidden mm-hmm. away somewhere. How yeah. can you be addicted to that? It's like, no, we're talking about high speed pornography that is at like at the at your fingertips at any moment of the day mm-hmm. where you can watch videos like fucking uh, dumb teen slut gets gangbanged or fucking, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever. Like, I don't even need, like, that's like a tame one compared to the, some of the shit that you can find on Pornhub, right? Mm-hmm. And you have kids as young as six being exposed to this shit yeah and you talk about like addiction you talk about like being shaped by the extreme genres yeah dude i can't imagine what some of the boys are getting into young boys are getting into yeah like if you started at 12 you said and Mm -hmm. at that time you probably didn't have a smartphone a a computer maybe that you yeah like have access limited access to and you were probably like you know, it wasn't something you could just do at any time of the mm-hmm. day. And even then, before that, maybe, like, I've heard of from some guys that I'm friends with, like, all the first thing they did was, like, Google boobs. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then you yeah. just, like, see some boobs, and that's fun, yeah. and that's thrilling. That's that's what I started with, yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But now, when people do that, like, they're not just going to get some pictures, like, on their computer that they have limited access to. Like, yeah. they can put anything into their smartphone and get millions and millions and millions of results. Yeah. I mean, you just need to know that porn is a thing. Search porn and you get Pornhub, you porn, yeah. like all yeah. the, all the yeah. sites you go there. And it's, so it's like, it, it's not merely just like kids searching up boobs. It's them simply finding one of these, uh, these tube sites. Cause I like, 
I'm sure the tube sites existed at the time when I started watching, but yeah. like, I think there were much less uh, options. And mm -hmm. I mean, YouTube, I think started in like, when, I don't know when YouTube started, but the tube sites have become much more easy accessible. You know, mm -hmm. when I started watching porn, it was like dial up connection, you know yeah. what I mean? So it's like, um, yeah, it's just so much easier. And, you know, a, a, a big thing that we can talk about is, you know, we talk about like a porn-induced erectile dysfunction. Pied. Pied, yeah. <laughs> One of the things that people in the NoFap community don't get is why people are so against NoFap. Mm -hmm. It's because you have all these weird acronyms and you call each other brother, you know, like, good job, brother. And it's just like, it seems like a cult. Yeah, <laughs> it honestly it seems does. like a cult. Yeah. Um, and it, there's definitely some cult-like elements, of yeah, course. Of course. Um, but... Uh, you know, young boys who have no experience with a girl. I didn't have experience with girls at 12. I lost mm -hmm. my virginity at 17, mm -hmm. right? And so it's like I had five years of being educated by porn, mm. right? It's like, how can you even be prepared for navigating the complexities of consent? Mm -hmm. The consent isn't fucking demonstrated in pornography. In no. fact, there's a lot of pornography where consent is literally like taken out of the picture. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like... Oh man, I just really feel for this generation of boys. Yeah, and that's the problem. What you just said there is that was five years of being educated by porn, and yeah. that, that's the problem is that yeah. because sex is taboo or whatever, yeah, and porn is taboo. Conversations about this important things that is shaping and educating young people is not being discussed, and mm. it's something that everyone is attracted to, especially yeah. going through puberty around eleven, twelve. 13, whatever, you're going to want to have sex. You're going to be become attracted. Your body's going through all these changes. And if there's nobody to guide you because mm. nobody's willing to sit down and have that conversation with you, mm. or and it's not talked about in school in a way that is actually relevant, yeah, then you are left with no other option yeah. than porn. Yeah. That's the only stimulus you have that is teaching you anything about actually how to have sex. Because what you're taught in school is like, how to avoid getting STDs and the mechanical, the mechanical reproductive of yeah. elements of sex. Yeah. Yeah. Like before, before I lost my virginity, the only education I had about sex was that girls get periods, guys have nocturnal emissions mm -hmm. and pregnancy yeah. and like labeling a vagina, labeling a vulva. <laughs> labeling the male yeah. reproductive system like never found um, out where to find the clitoris but i knew where the fallopian tubes uh, were <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly but like what about how to talk to somebody what about yeah, yeah. what about like how to pleasure somebody like how to like what foreplay yeah i don't know nobody talks about this stuff nobody no. talks about like even masturbation was like kind of reserved for men like that conversation like yeah. girls as far as i knew until after high school mm -hmm. i never talked to any other girl about masturbating yeah and it was something that i did obviously but i felt like a freak for doing it for sure yeah because it wasn't talked about and like that's so yeah. that's terrifying for what it means for everybody I mean, everybody yeah not even yeah. just the younger generation like yeah. we're, we've been affected by this yep well two things i can say about that is number one uh i i've read stories on on the internet of women again feeling like a freak for watching porn and then they find out that other women watch porn too and it's mm -hmm. like they're they feel liberated and so there's mm -hmm. like this element of sexual liberation that comes with pornography use 
that I think is is very important for right? women, like, yeah, especially for women, especially. And it's, so it's like a lot of this podcast is being kind of like an indictment against porn. But that's why I said at the beginning, like I'm not necessarily saying there's something wrong with erotic art. Mm-hmm. Right. And like the distinction between erotic art I want to get into later and, and porn. But the fact is, is that you can't paint, you can't paint this entire thing as a negative because clearly there are women who are feeling like they're not, there's not something wrong with them mm-hmm. for the first time when they find out that people watch porn. Mm-hmm. And secondly, you know, I, I talk about like, I really feel for the young boys of this generation, whether being exposed to, but young girls are watching porn too. It's not just for young sure. boys. For sure. Yeah. That's, that's really important because most of this podcast has, we've been discussing the male perspective and yeah. like no fab community. That's all men. I assume there are some women, but they, I, I believe, uh, it's like, there's, it's either like no fap women or femstronauts because a fapstronaut is like a, a man who doesn't fap. Mm-hmm. And then a femstronaut, I believe is a shoot off from that of women who do not schlick. Schlick? Right? Yeah, is yeah, that yeah. the word? Oh my God. Well, death grip is where you, you've jerked off, uh, too hard. Why am I clenching right now? <laughs> You jerk off too hard and so you can't come. Mm-hmm. And so like if a man has issues coming, it's like an overuse injury, basically. Mm-hmm. But a, a woman, you kind of touched on it before, where if like you're a woman, you masturbate in a certain way, in a certain posture, you can't get off any other way. Yeah. That's death schlick. Death and a lot schlick. of women get it with uh, using vibrators too much. Oh, yeah. 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 But yeah, like the experience for girls is completely different in a lot of ways. I mean, I'm, it's sexuality, so of course there's like some overlap but like and like same issues can occur with women like for you sure. can become addicted to porn you can become addicted to coming in a certain way to a particular stimulus mm-hmm. but on the other hand masturbation is something that can be really beautiful and it can be a very important way of exploring oneself and one's pleasure yeah. and one's sexuality what what arouses someone and like that's something to be celebrated and encouraged in young people i think like i don't think masturbation is something to be demonized. No. I mean, there's some spiritual practices like a non-tantra and stuff like this mm-hmm. or neo-tantra. Um, and I'm sure tantra too, but either way, around masturbation where like masturbation itself becomes a spiritual practice, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. I'm sure some people are listening to this, especially because I know some people, especially within the NoFap community might be uh, resistant to that idea. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there are legitimate spiritual traditions in the East, especially where people have found the ability to master their sexuality through masturbation, mm-hmm. right? And so it's, it's not just this, it's not, it's not nuanced to just paint pornography or fapping or whatever it is, or, or, or schlicking, whatever you want to call it. It's a disgusting word. I know. Masturbating. Yeah. Let's just say masturbating. <laughs> masturbating. Yeah. To, as this negative thing. Cause it's just not, Yeah. It, it's, it's not, why the addiction or why the behavior or why the substance it's why the pain yes what what are you trying to escape from yeah and where yeah where is it coming from is it a, is it coming from a place of needing comfort and needing to escape something yeah or is it coming from a place of healthy exploration and healthy yeah. self-pleasure mm-hmm. and healthy sexuality yeah but it's, it's extremely difficult for for addicts uh, or people with addiction to accept that, right? Like mm-hmm. a big thing in AA that I've always heard of is like the uh, the dry drunk, I believe, who mm-hmm. they're no longer drinking, but they've replaced their alcohol, their drinking with AA, and they become like cult-like mm-hmm. about 
getting everybody to stop drinking. Drinking has to become illegal. Mm-hmm. Alcohol is, is the devil, right? It's like, mm-hmm. and it's no wonder that this thing that's caused them so much pain, they're reacting so negatively yeah. against. But again, a lot of people can drink and be fine. Yeah. A lot of people can masturbate to pornography or without pornography and be fine. Yeah. And so it's just, it's very understandable but not nuanced to make these demonizations. Yeah, you're right. Because it, it just becomes impossible for people to see that other people don't have the same experience with them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's crazy if you're addicted to something to like, to wrap your head around the fact yeah. that like other people can can have a healthy relationship with that thing mm-hmm. because you've demonized it so much. You know? Yeah. Well, the, a big one is uh, like, a, like the cult dynamics. I guess we can talk about like the, the flaws of the NoFap community right mm-hmm. now. And um, one of the big one is the cult dynamic where, mm-hmm. you know, you, you either like, this is what happened with like the great schism of the nofap community between porn free and nofap, where it's like people on the nofap community became very demonizing of masturbating to the point that like, if you even touch your dick, you have to restart your streak, for example. Jesus. And it's like, oh, you made it 90 days, but you, you, you know, you touched your dick maybe a little bit too much while you're taking a piss. It's a relapse. You have to restart. Like, yeah. why would you do that? And there's a lot of shame around that. Right. Yeah. And so it's like just replacing the shame, just replacing the, the, the masturbation that was alleviating the shame with like the nofap to really alleviate the shame. Mm-hmm. You have to be more and more disciplined with nofap or else you have to feel shame. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, transphobia is another big issue within the NoFap community. Mm-hmm. Again, because a lot of men who are in NoFap, I've noticed is a big common one, is watching transgender women, uh, pornography with transgender women. And again, because we live in a, in a transphobic society, there's a lot of shame around that. Mm-hmm. And it's when you have people who live in a transphobic society have a lot of pain surrounding their addiction to pornography they become very transphobic and very anti transgender i guess transphobic because they associate the existence of trans people with the pain that they experience with their addiction mm-hmm. and so it's not even necessarily motivated by by being against the idea of transgender it's being motivated by their pain every time they think about trans people, mm-hmm. right? That's interesting because it's just like what you said about like alcoholics demonizing alcohol. Exactly. So they've projected their pain onto this group of people now. Mm-hmm. And it's more, of, it's more of an issue because those are people yeah, and not a substance. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. Because you... you <sighs> I'm not, I'm not going to justify anybody's attitude toward trans people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that trans people exist. But even if you don't believe that trans people, you know, trans, being trans is a mental illness, mm-hmm. the way that some people on NoFap talk about trans people and how like hostile they get toward them, it's just like, would you react so hostily or with such hostility toward somebody else with a mental illness? Mm-hmm. It's like, that's like acting toward depressed people. It's like depressed people don't exist. It's a mental illness. Fuck depressed people. It's like, what the fuck? Like, how does that make sense? But when mm-hmm. it comes to trans people, you're like, Oh, trans is mental illness. So fuck them. They're horrible people. It's like, what? How does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Because you're not actually against the idea of transgender. You are reacting against the pain you feel associated with your addiction. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another big one that is also related to this is the misogyny Mm -hmm. is blaming women, the way they dress like sluts 
for triggering me, right? Mm. I'm trying to quit porn, but all these women in summer, they're wearing short skirts or yoga pants. They're, they're triggering me and now I have to watch porn, right? Mm. It, it's, it's again, like associating their pain with what women are doing and not taking responsibility for their own internal experience. Mm -hmm. Is that like, yes, you might be triggered by something a woman has worn to watch porn. But that is something that you need to deal with. And you cannot force women to dress a certain way or act a certain way because you have issues with your addiction, mm -hmm. right? And it's, it's, again, you're trying to shape society in such a way to deal with your issues. Mm -hmm. And that's not fair. It's not fair to yeah. be all women, you know? Yeah. I, that's the thing I've thought about with this whole NoFap community is that mm. it just kind of, I, I fear that, it, yeah, it more than just demonizes sexuality, but demonizes women mm -hmm. for being objects of desire. For sure. Or to make them objects of desire and then hate them for that. Yeah. That's really dangerous. Yeah. When you think about incels, the <laughs> incel community. Yeah. <laughs> Another community on Reddit. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I think they got kicked off Reddit now. Oh, yeah, they did, right? Yeah. But, I mean, they still exist. <laughs> They're still out there. Yeah. Again, people who are in a lot of pain, you know, it, like yeah. the incel ideology, you can, you can characterize that as an addiction of sorts mm -hmm. where they've turned to this because they find community in this gang. Uh, and, and it all comes from <laughs> trauma. What? I said community. Oh my gosh. Shut the fuck. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like, yeah, they, they've just found community, community in this, uh, this gang where, it makes them, it makes, it helps them like deal with the trauma that they've experienced around women. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, it doesn't justify the behavior of course, but no. yeah. So given everything we've said, what comes to your mind when we talk about sex positivity, despite all this? I think that at the core of sex positivity, what needs to be, what, what, what sex positivity is for me, despite mm -hmm. all of this negativity that we're talking about. <laughs> Yeah. Is just being able to have these conversations around yeah. sex, around porn, to be able to not leave it as this thing that's in the shadows for all of us, regardless of if yeah. it becomes an addiction or not, mm -hmm. to release the shame around these things so that we can all have healthy relationships with our own sexuality, have healthy relationships with porn if we choose to consume it or not. It should be something that like we're aware of and we're like tolerant of in ourselves and in mm. others, you know, like the, the vast spectrum of sexuality and being able to explore that, those topics in ourselves without fear. Kind yeah, of yeah. when it comes to having, forming a healthy relationship with one's sexuality, there has to be sex positivity at the core of it in order to explore yeah. and discover that because yeah. as soon, when things are taboo or there's shame around it whether that be if it's coming from a homophobic place or if it's just kinks that nobody talks about mm -hmm. you're gonna see if you start to be attracted to that thing if you're exposed to it in some way whether it's born of your own imagination if it's something completely authentic and you just started fantasizing about something one day yeah or if you saw it in a porn and you thought it was really hot yeah if there's shame around that and you repress it, it's going to become this unhealthy thing, like an, an yeah. unhealthy relationship with this thing where you feel the need to seek it out in, in ways that aren't healthy for you. For sure. And it'll, it'll be harder to come to a conclusion if this is something that you want to explore 
and integrate into your life in a healthy way mm-hmm. or not, mm-hmm. you know, because when we're presented with things and we react one way or another, if we're coming from a place of openness and positivity, we can accurately, more, we can more accurately assess if this is something that feels good to us and we mm-hmm. want to pursue yeah. in a healthy way or we don't want it. If you think about something, I don't know, we all have like weird thoughts. Yeah. Who yeah. doesn't have like crazy sexual <laughs> thoughts sometimes where they just like imagine something and they're like, why am I imagining that? Yeah. You know, like, why did I even think that? Like, that's so sure. weird. Like, and if we're ashamed of it, we'll be like, oh, that's weird. Like, no, like I should feel so bad about this. And like, eh, don't think about that. And we're just like disturbed. Mm-hmm. Or we can be, if we're coming from a sex positive place, we can be like, what is that? What is that saying about me? Is that something I really want? And like kind of approach it with curiosity and acceptance mm. rather than shame and repression. And I think that's going to, that would make all of the difference yeah. when it comes to actually acting in sexual scenarios, especially involving other people. I agree completely, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I know, I, I just know that like, I'm going to post this on the NoFap forums and I just know that there's going to be some people within that community who are reacting against that idea mm-hmm. because it'll be like, oh, well, you know, you talk about kinks or, or trans, uh, you know, being attracted to trans people. And it's like all this stuff that I'm ashamed about because my experiences with pornography. And it's like, remember what we said about the arousal shame association, mm-hmm. the more ashamed you are by these, the possibility that you're into these things. If you've made this association, it's, that's going to fuel your addiction in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, whatever your opinions might be on BDSM or, uh, whatever other kinks you could mention, whatever it is, Letting go of that shame is your path to recovery and coming to a place, like you said, where you can really have an honest, an honest look at whether you want that thing in your life or not. And maybe you don't. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're one of those people where you stop watching porn, you let go of your shame, and you're just not attracted to that anymore. You're, mm-hmm. not, you're not into that act anymore. And that's totally fine. That's just you. But if you are someone who is into a certain thing... Even if you don't want to engage in it, letting go of your shame around it is going to help you come into a healthier place without, with intentionally taking that thing out of your life, Mm -hmm. right? Like if you are someone who's into feet, for example, right? A foot fetish. If you are, like you said, repressing that shame around it, number one, it could be fueling your addiction. But number two, you could start acting in ways that are very inappropriate towards other people's feet mm-hmm. because you're like constantly trying, it becomes almost like an OCD symptom where yeah, you're like constantly sure. trying to avoid this arousal you feel around feet. Mm-hmm. And so you're like looking at someone's feet and you're like, oh, did I just look at that sexually? Oh my God, like, am I, am I being sexual toward them? Like they're uncomfortable. They know I'm attracted to their feet. Like what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. And it's because you're constantly trying to repress it. Yeah. You know, and it's like, just let that shame go. Let the anxiety go. Easier said than done. Meditation can help. But letting it go will help you come to a place where you're not so obsessed with not doing it. Yeah. You know? It's kind of like what we've talked about with intrusive thoughts. Like the more you're thinking about not thinking about something, the more you're going to think about it. It's resistance and repression and shame only continues that cycle of it being an issue. Yeah. And when you come to a place of acceptance... It's freedom. It is. Acceptance is freedom for sure. Yeah. That's the only way to let go of something. Mm -hmm. It's like if you're constantly defining yourself by no fap or alcohol or whatever it is, or AA rather, 
you're still defining yourself based on your addiction. Still in relation to that thing. Yeah. yeah. You're not free from it. Yeah. That's not, yeah. Th- and yeah. Maybe some people exactly. will never be free in those situations like alcohol and stuff. Like for sure. Yeah. I, I, I get that's it. A like different conversation though. It, it's yeah, it's, it's a very <laughs> tricky, it's a, it's a complex issue. Like sure. it, no, in no way are we saying this is like not difficult or, uh, not complex. Mm-hmm. Human being is, one of the most complex things we can do because it's, we, we do it at every moment, you know, but at the same time, it's just like, if you want some peace, let it go, mm-hmm. do your best. And even if you fail at that, don't shame yourself for not being able to let it go. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a, it's a deep process. Mm-hmm. But, uh, at the beginning of this podcast, I, I mentioned that I wanted to cover why I think we shouldn't have to issue the caveat that, or I shouldn't have to issue the caveat that I'm not anti-sex and this is not religiously motivated. Right. And it's because I think that within sex positivity, there's this, again, I've seen this reaction against being porn skeptical, I suppose you could call it. Right. Where someone who's sex positive will say, Oh, stop being a religious prude. Stop being anti-sex. You know, there's nothing wrong with porn. And they'll say that from the standpoint of sex positivity when it's like, I don't think that's being sex positive. No. Because being sex positive is having a very nuanced understanding that some people have issues around sex or around porn that are, for whatever reason that may be causing them, are very real. Mm-hmm. And being able to sit down and have a discussion about all the positives and negatives that come with these things is the most sex positive position because you're not shaming any element of it, including Mm. the negatives, Mm -hmm. right? If you're just like creating this, you know, this rose tinted perspective of sex, you're completely removing all of the negative elements associated with it, you know? And then that's, that's not helping anybody. If we really want to be sex positive, we really need to be able to like sit down and give all elements of it, the benefit, the doubt, the benefit of the doubt, even those elements where we're like, oh, that's sex negative, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Set aside that and just listen and really get to the bottom of why someone might view this thing in a negative way. That's really important. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. just, how can we call ourselves sex positive when we can't criticize the elements of sex without being called sex negative? Mm-hmm. That's like, so important in yeah. any, in any domain, like being, yeah. you have to be able to see all of it and be willing to talk about all of it or else it's just going to be the same problems, but on the other end. Yeah. It's just more repression. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So I think there's a distinction that needs to be made between pornography, for lack of a better word, and erotic art. Mm-hmm. Where pornography, again, for lack of a better word, let's just use this for sake of argument. Pornography is all of those negative elements of porn, right? These are like elements of porn that are overtly negative or kind of in a gray area. And Mm -hmm. an example of one of those elements is this whole issue with Pornhub where they have videos of underage women or videos of women being uh, assaulted or have been put on without uh, on the website without their consent. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is part of like the industry of pornography where Mm -hmm. this is like an overtly negative aspect of porn. And the reason I want to make this distinction is because I don't think that Every instance of photographed or videotaped or media involving nudity or sex or whatever is in all instances negative. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. right? Because sometimes there is, you know, a, a video of people having sex that someone could masturbate to that isn't necessarily negative. No, I, I think there's a lot that is positive and good. Yeah. And that's mm. the distinction that I'm trying to make here. Yeah. And I think this is a very difficult distinction to make because I don't think it's even in... I, I, I feel like it's possible, but that the same video for one person could be pornography or porn and for another person could be erotic art. Mm -hmm. And so it's not merely the specific piece itself but it's also the context within which it's situated mm -hmm. right and so i feel that we need to make this distinction between porn and erotic art first of all about the piece mm -hmm. where we say okay was everybody in the video consenting to what was being done mm -hmm. were the people respected after was people paid properly were the you know if if there was something such as like a bdsm scene for example was consent properly modeled in this video mm -hmm. and if it wasn't modeled is it clear in the description or some other way that consent is being dropped for the sake of what's being done in the video because you will have some bdsm videos for example where you find out stuff happened that was not consented to People weren't paid properly. There was some abuse going on in the background. And when it comes to the specific piece then, the issue is that we need an industry of erotic art that is respecting everybody in the process of its creation. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to the context that it's placed in, is that I think that people, we as a society need to have people who are able to come to any piece of erotic art Again, assuming that erotic art in this case is that, that those pieces of art that have been created in a, uh, a, a good environment, a healthy environment, people need to be able to come to that art, understanding consent enough, for example, that it's okay if consent isn't necessarily modeled the best, mm -hmm. or to be able to come to it with the understanding that okay, this video has a kink that I'm not into, but that doesn't mean the kink is shameful or that the people involved in it are shameful, mm -hmm. right? And so the distinction I make between porn and erotic art is the fact that erotic art is about creating beautiful, beautiful representations of sexuality, uh, one of the most beautiful aspects of human experience, and have a society that can actually take in this art without attaching all of the baggage associated with that art. Mm -hmm. And the importance of that distinction is the fact that our society needs to learn how to navigate a sexually liberated environment far better than it currently is. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people will look at sexual liberation as a negative thing simply because there are problems that have emerged from that liberation. And my answer to that is the fact that the liberation itself was good we just need better education to allow people to navigate that liberated environment better. Mm -hmm. When you think of the distinction between erotic art and porn, what, like now that, now that you know the distinction that I've made, like mm -hmm. what comes to mind for you? Like, I guess for me, it's like erotic art almost sounds like, oh, it has to be like this beautiful like expression. And like, yeah. I love that, but it, it can also just be like porn. Like yeah, not yeah, all just yeah. like regular ass porn is bad. You know, like sometimes people just are just going to get fucked and people are just going to watch you get fucked, you know? And that's cool. Yeah. And it's, it, it can just be like, it can serve a purpose. It can just be like a job for people. Mm -hmm. It can just be a thing. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't, and I feel like erotic art almost has this superior tone to it that it has to be mm. like this 
evolved or elevated expression and it can just be sex it can just be fucking it can just be yeah a desire it can just be an itch it can just be a scratch yeah and that's all it has to be and it and that doesn't devalue it necessarily mm. and i don't think all regular porn is yeah, necessarily yeah. bad you know i think it, it's the relationship that yeah. the individual has with it and i think you mentioned that too you said the exact same video for yeah. two different people can be considered in this distinction erotic art or porn you know mm-hmm. if porn means bad and erotic erotic art means good in very simplistic terms yeah mm-hmm. exactly so it's like and again it's very simplistic terms like you yeah. said because like it's really difficult to navigate how complex these waters are because mm-hmm. like same video different person mm-hmm. it's suddenly this positive or negative thing and it's like you can watch a video where like the 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 one of the people i was gonna say this i was gonna say like the woman but then i was like well not necessarily the woman then i was gonna say the submissive but not necessarily the submissive mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. so it's like the the person could get one person could get slapped across the face or choked or spit on whatever like mm-hmm. pissed on like i'm sure like yeah. anything you can think of right mm-hmm. and it could be erotic art if everybody in the video is respected and if the person watching it understands how to navigate the emotions that come with that experience. Mm-hmm. Cause like if you're, if you're someone who's like ashamed by the things that I just mentioned and you're just like, Oh, like not even ashamed, just like disgusted. Yeah. Like you're just like you like, yeah. fuck that. Like, yeah. um, I think that's totally, that's totally okay for you to experience yeah. that. Yeah. Like we shouldn't be so anti kink shame that you can't be like not into something. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like, I think with things like that, there's nothing wrong with it necessarily i think yeah but when you're getting into that territory of things that in regular life meaning not in sex insects <laughs> are like abusive and yeah. negative like spitting on someone on the street yeah that's negative that's like an assault mm-hmm. or slapping someone without their consent is an assault and even when people are consenting in a sexual environment it can still be negative if that person doesn't feel like they couldn't consent or mm. if they're coming from an unhealthy place themselves. So I think and the, and the fact that all of this is out there and that these are aspects of a lot of people's sexualities, I think it just requires even, even more responsibility and conversation mm. because it's out there, you know, it's in us and it's out there. Yeah. And yeah. it's going to happen Mm-hmm. You know, like we can't repress it is kind of what we're seeing here is that like it it, it already exists. So the thing yeah. we have to do is take responsibility in being having these conversations, being really open to understanding it deeper yeah, and integrating these things healthily into our lives. Because even if it looks degrading or negative, it can actually be empowering and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it, it, that just comes back to it. It's, it's the relationship we have with it. It's the consciousness we have a, around it that makes it healthy or unhealthy. And yeah. th- these are not easy things to understand or deal with. No. But that's, that's why it's so important. Yeah, because again, like I, I've been, I've read enough posts on, on our NoFap, for example, where I can hear people arguing against that saying, no, some sexual acts are just shameful and they're Mm -hmm. unhealthy. And it's like, it just comes back to like the, the anti kink crowd, you know, it's like, how could, how could being slapped across the face be empowering? Mm -hmm. Right. And it's number one, 
why is slapping somebody across the face necessarily a negative thing, mm-hmm. right? W- what is that, right? Like mm-hmm. the distinction that I make is like, is watching a horror movie the same as committing a violent act? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you watch a horror movie and it makes you feel afraid. It makes you, or here's a better distinction. Mm-hmm. Is watching a horror movie different than putting yourself knowingly into a dangerous situation where you could be attacked by somebody who means you harm. Mm -hmm. Clearly those things are different. Mm -hmm. And one of them we do for entertainment and there's nothing wrong with watching horror movies. Nobody has, well, there are people with issues with horror (laughs) movies, but for the most part, like watching a horror movie, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing shameful of liking horror movies. But when it comes to like a sexual act, suddenly people are not able to make the distinction between slapping somebody across the face without their consent and slapping somebody across the face because for whatever reason, they have a nervous system that responds to a face slap as arousing. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's perfectly okay for somebody to be into that Yeah. as long as there's consent and as long as there's aftercare yeah. where you make sure that you didn't hit too hard. You make sure that they felt respected. Yeah. You know? That's, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That also raises the question of like why people want those things. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a whole other kind of worms. It's like, are we reenacting our trauma? Are we trying to like get some kind of Mm -hmm. love that we never got? I don't know. You know, and those are all important questions also. It's a big topic and I don't know if, I don't think we need to get into all of that right now because that's not necessarily the topic of this podcast, but yeah. Either I mean, way, it's just, yeah. We'll talk about that in the future. Yeah. So with that being said, I think the best thing that you can take away from listening to this podcast is understanding the negative elements of filmed nudity, of filmed sex, and to have a clear picture of what it actually looks like so that you can not only do your part to find those pieces that are erotic art rather than pornography, but also do what you can to create a context in which people can actually take in this material in a way that's healthy. Mm-hmm. Is that, you know, letting go of your sexual shame, letting go of your uh, hatred of your own sexuality is a huge, huge element in leading toward a society that can actually deal with sex in a mature, grown-up way. Mm-hmm. And it's a hard thing. It's a really hard thing to do. And this podcast does not even begin to touch into that. But it, at the very least, shows you what can go wrong and that there is a problem here that we need to address. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned <laughs> something valuable. And uh, if you like this podcast you can find us on social media at wild and theology on twitter and instagram bye bye